0: Are you ready? Today I'm impressed to the Lord to take the prophetic word that the Lord has given me for this year, along with the prophetic word that the Lord gave Brother Copeland, and show you how that they are divinely linked. God never contradicts himself. Amen. I always look forward to hearing what the Spirit of God is saying to Brother Copeland. And I listened to how it is connected to what the Lord has said to me. And I believe for them both. Hallelujah. Now, if you remember, the Lord said to me that it would be a year of marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. Say that with me. Marvels, Marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of my God. And if you believe that's the kind of year you're going to have, praise him in advance. <laughs> praise him in advance. Amen. Exodus 34, 10 says, I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth. Marvels means things that cause one to be amazed or filled with overwhelming surprise. The Bible says in Exodus 15, 11, who is like unto thee, O Lord? Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? The message translation says, Who compares unto you wonder working God? Look at somebody and tell them, My God's a wonder working God. Job chapter 9, verse 10 says that he does great things past finding out, wonders without number. The message translation says, his miracle surprises can't be counted. And then Psalm seventy-seven fourteen says, Thou art the God that doest wonders. Amen. And so that's the theme the Lord gave me regarding this year. Marvels, wonders, extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. And then he said to Brother Copeland that it would be a year of abundant harvest. If I say abundant harvest. Amen. Now, I want us to look first of all at what the Bible says about abundant harvest and see if you qualify. You know, uh, just because God has said that this is what he wants happening doesn't mean that it's going to happen to everybody. Let me try on this side of the auditorium. (laughs) He wants it to happen to every one of us, but he's not going to violate his own word to make it happen. You know, if you're not faithful, it's not likely that you're a candidate. Well, I lost some of you already. The doors are locked. You're not going anywhere. (laughs) Just hang on, praise God. Like Brother Copeland used to say, I I know I've stepped on your feet, but just sit there. God will heal them. Hallelujah. So once again, the harvest, the abundant harvest say this with me. It's my year year for marvels, marvels, wonders, wonders, extraordinary manifestations manifestations of the greatness of my God. It's also my my year year for abundant harvest. harvest. Amen. Amen. Now, abundant harvest, according to the word, belongs to faithful, consistent, and diligent sowers. If you're not a sower then you haven't qualified yet. But it's not too late to become a sower. Amen. People who have learned that abundant harvest comes from people that are consistent and faithful in their sowing. They've also learned that God blesses their sowing. And it's not just so that he can make their life better, but so that they will have the resources to help make others' lives better. Amen. That's what it's all about. Blessed to be a blessing. Say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. blessing. He didn't say, I'm blessed to hoard it up. I'm blessed to keep it to myself. No, I'm blessed to be a blessing. I learned a long time ago, I asked the Lord way back in the early seventies, I said, Lord, what is your definition of a blessing? You want me to be a blessing? He said, it's an instrument through which my divine favor flows toward another person, preventing misfortune in their life and making their life better. Amen. I'm a blessing. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a blessing. That means you're an instrument of God to bring hope to somebody else, to bring encouragement to somebody else, to prevent misfortune in the lives of others. Amen. And that's what Carolyn and I live for. We live to be a blessing. We're blessed, but we don't hoard it up on ourselves. Now, I get, you know, ugly letters from time to time about people getting angry about how blessed I am. Well, you just have to talk to God about that. That's right. Come on. Amen. I'm certainly not going to say, Lord, don't bless me anymore because people don't like it. <laughs> like John Wayne would say to that, that'll be the day. <laughs> Amen. I'm just going to keep right on being blessed. Because the more blessed I am, the greater a blessing I can be to others. Hallelujah. And I remember when we first started out and, and we didn't have the means to be a blessing. We were believing for everything. We were believing for the clothes on our back, the food on our table, the gas in our automobile, and believing for the automobile, automobile to run when it had gas in it. <laughs> Amen. But the, the critics, they, they weren't there. Yeah, come on. They weren't there in those days. Yeah. They weren't there. When I first moved to Fort Worth, and I walked the streets looking for Coke bottles to sell where I could have money for milk for my babies. Yeah. Where were they then? Yeah, come on, come on. Right. Yeah. Huh? And because we were doers of the word, and we made a commitment to trust God, to live by faith, do what he said, then God honored it. And praise God, I haven't hunted for Coke bottles in years. (laughs) In fact, I can buy you a Coke if you'd like one. Hallelujah. Now we're blessed to be a blessing. And there's always critics. There's always people that get upset about it. They get upset about the car you drive, the house you live in, the clothes you wear, Whatever. They're just always looking for an excuse. Amen. When I see someone's blessed, I don't get upset about it. I rejoice with them. That shows me they're doing something right. The Bible says, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen. We shouldn't be critical of people that are inheriting the promises. We should find out what are they doing and follow the example. That's exactly what I did. You know, it was Kenneth Copeland who came in 1969 and preached the message of faith like I'd never heard before. Changed my life. And uh, he became my mentor from afar. I was living in Shreveport. He lived in Fort Worth. I very seldom saw him. Now, he came back a second time. And in the, the meantime, between those few months that the first time I heard him and the second time he came back, I'd gotten those reel-to-reel tapes as they had the messages recorded on back then. And I'm listening to them day and night. And so he was introducing me to my covenant. I didn't know anything about that prior to listening to him. I didn't know anything about faith prior to listening to him. I didn't know anything about the blessing prior to listening to him. This was all new to me. But the moment I heard it, I knew it was true. I knew it was God. And I went after it with everything that was in me. Amen. I'm just that kind of person. When, when I go for something, I go all out. Hallelujah. I didn't play church like a lot of people that heard the same message that I heard back in 69. Some of them just still played church about it. But not me. I wanted God's best. If God said I could have it, I wanted it, praise God. I had the attitude, if he didn't intend for this to happen, he shouldn't have put it in my copy of the book. Because once I find it, I'm going for it. I may be little, but I got a bulldog tenacity, hallelujah. Amen. And so I went after it. And uh, he he began to uh, teach me how to release my faith, how to trust God, how to stand. Having done all to stand, stand. And I, and I began to follow the example. When we did have the privilege of hearing him the second time, and I got to meet him and, and became acquainted with him, uh, I, I, I would look at what God was doing in his life and glorious life. And, uh, and and we followed the example. Our attitude was, if we do what they're doing then we'll more than likely get the same results that they get. Amen. And then, of course, when we moved over here and went to work with him. then that gave me the opportunity to be around him almost 24-7. He went nowhere without Jerry Savelle in those early days. And uh, so I'm, I'm listening to the messages, and he did three services a day everywhere we went. And as soon as uh, he got through preaching them, I would take the recording of it, to my room and I would duplicate it on other reel-to-reel tapes and then they'd sell them in the, in the meeting in the next service. So I heard it, I took notes as he was preaching it and then I heard it again in my room. Because back then, if it was an hour message, it took an hour to, to re, uh, record it or duplicate it. It's the word I'm looking for. And so I would hear it in the service and I'd hear it again before I went to bed that night. Amen. And, if, and in those early days, there wasn't a whole lot of people ordering a second copy of it. But if they did, then I'd stay up all night and make as many copies as people requested them. Amen. One at a time. And I would hear the message over and over and over and over and over and over, and over, and over. In fact, it got to the place where if he had stopped at any point and said, Jerry, take over, I knew exactly where he was headed with this. Amen. And, and later, many times he did say, come on, Jerry, take over. And I took over just and, and said it the way he said it and, and used even his examples. But then there came a time when the Lord said, okay, now you know what he knows, but let me tell you some other things that he doesn't know yet. I said, he don't know this yet. That was a shock to me. And the first time the Lord said that to me, and I preached in front of Brother Copeland, he's sitting right there, you know, about 10 feet away from me. And I said something, he jumped and said, boy, why didn't you tell me that a long time ago? I didn't know that. I thought, look at here, hallelujah. I said something Kenneth Copeland didn't know. I doubt Kenneth Hagin knew it. I doubt Or Roberts knew it. No, I'm just kidding. But it became my revelation. Not just something I heard Kenneth Copeland say. Not just something I heard Or Roberts say. Not just something I heard Kenneth Hagin say. Thank God those men introduced it to me. But then when it became a revelation to me. You see, you know when it's a revelation when nobody can take it away from you. If somebody's still capable of, getting you to doubt it and release it and let go of it, not act on it anymore, then it's no longer a revelation. Amen. I've had people ask me many times over the years, why do you think so many people have left the word of faith? My attitude is, my response is, it never was a revelation to start with because if it is a revelation, you never let go of it. Amen. 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 They just heard something. It tickled their ears. Uh, they grabbed hold of it for a season. But Jesus even said, once the word is sown, Satan comes immediately to try to take the word away. But Carol and I determined he is not taking the word away from us. We are not letting go of this. This is the best thing we ever heard in our lives. And it began to work for us. And my mama didn't raise a fool. I'm not going to stop now. Hallelujah. It's still working 50 years later. Hallelujah. Next month, 50 years I've been walking by faith, preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's still working. And I have not had any reason to change the message. Amen. You go listen to things I preached in 1970 and I'm preaching the same thing today. I just know more about it. Hallelujah. Amen. So we began to find out that God would bless us. And the reason being is because He not only wanted to make our lives better, but He wanted us to become a blessing. Amen. Amen. And I remember the day just like it was yesterday. In fact, this week, uh, me and some of the TV crew, we flew back to Shreveport and we went to the house I was living in when I first heard Kenneth Copeland in 1969. We went to the church where I heard him preach the first time in 1969. I sat in the very chair where I sit in 1969, right on the back corner row close to the door so I could leave when I didn't like him. (laughs) Because that was the the agreement Carolyn made that night. She said, if you go tonight and you don't like this preacher, then I'll never ask you to go to another service. I said, that's the deal I've been waiting on. And she said, well, you go tonight and if you don't like him, I will never ask you to go to another church over with me. I said, alright, I'm going. And, I, and I, I told her, I said, I don't like him already. She said, you haven't even heard him yet. I said, I know, but he's just like all the rest, probably. And I won't like him. And so you promise you'll never make me go again? She said, if you don't like him, I'll never ask you to go again. So I went and I just come from a paint and body shop. I went and took a shower, put on some clean clothes. And when we got ready to go, I said, now who is this guy you're so thrilled about? She said, Kenneth Copeland. I said, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Copeland. I know who that is. She said, how would you know Kenneth Copeland? You don't go to church. (laughs) I said, well, there was a man named Kenneth Copeland back in 1957, had a hit record on the radio called the Pledge of Love. She said, it's not him. I said, Well, how do you know? She said, It's not him. I said, Well, I'm going for two reasons. Number one, if I don't like him, I'll never have to go again. Number two, when he gets through preaching, I'm gonna ask him if he's the same guy. I'd like to be right one time. Any other husbands like to be right one time? And right in the middle of his service, I mean, he hadn't he hadn't been preaching 15 minutes. He said, I don't know why I'm saying this. It has absolutely nothing to do with my sermon. I guess somebody in here needs to hear it. In 1957, I had a hit record on the radio called the Pledge of Love. I was headed for his rock and roll stardom. And he told the testimony about that. And he said, now let's get back to the Word. God used that. In fact, He used that to get my attention. Because now I'm sitting right on the edge of my chair listening to every word He said. I didn't go forward at the end of the service, but that night when I got home, I couldn't sleep. I got up three o'clock in the morning, went to my living room, February the 11th, 1969. Lifted both hands, said, God, I've been running from you all my life. I know you called me to preach. I didn't want to do it. But if you still want me, here I am. Amen. I surrendered my life to him and, and uh, was just had a glorious experience that night. And the rest is history, praise God. Amen. But when he came back the second time, I moved from the front row to, I mean, the back row to the front row, because I'm a front row believer now, praise God. I I can't get enough of the Word of God. And so we did a a segment for our television broadcast and for our 50-year anniversary with me sitting on that very corner seat in the back row of that church, telling that experience. Then we moved up to the front and told the experience. And then I moved over to the third row about where Stewart's sitting, right on the end, when Brother Copeland called me out and said, God showed me we'll be a team. We're going to spend the rest of our lives together preaching the Word of God around the world. And we went through all of that again just this past week over in Shreveport. And uh, I'm looking forward to how it turned out when we, when we get it all set up for an anniversary program. Amen. But those were the early days of me finding out. That God wanted me blessed. That God wanted me to become a blessing. And I realized and learned. And and I learned a a lot of this more so from Oral Roberts. Now, Kenneth Copeland preached it. And Kenneth Hagin preached it. But Oral Roberts in those days, he was known more for it. Because he preached a message of prosperity. That God is a good God. And he wrote this book in 1969. I think God had him write it just for me because it came out in 1969. I'm sitting there watching Oral Roberts on television in our little home in, on Training Lane there in Shreveport. And Brother Roberts was preaching on the miracle of seed faith. And he said at the end of the program, I, he said, now, I've written this book And if you'd like to have a copy of it, I'll send it to you absolutely free. Just write Oral Roberts, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I hollered at Carolyn, Carolyn, here's one we can afford. (laughs) And I ordered that book. And as soon as that book arrived in the mail, I consumed it. I consumed it. The miracle of seed faith. So my point is, even though God wants us blessed and God is a good God, and God wants us to be in health and prosper, even as our soul prospers. It's not likely that you will ever reach that uh, that highest level in this if you're not a sower, because every farmer knows that you cannot expect a harvest without sowing a seed. Amen. I mean, that's those, those God. Created those laws, but they're not only spiritual laws, they're natural laws. Amen. Amen. You cannot you cannot expect a harvest without sowing a seed. Going around and confessing, I'm prosperous. I'm prosperous. I'm extremely blessed and highly favored. God wants you to be that way, but if you're not a seed sower, come on. That's right. Amen. That's like Putting uh, gasoline in your automobile and then walking around the house and say, I'm a good driver. I'm a great driver. I have gasoline. I have a car. It's a good car. It'll take me wherever I want to go. Well, go get in the thing. Start it up. Amen. It's not going to take you anywhere you want to go if you don't go outside and get in it. You can't go around confessing, I have more than enough. If you read Philippians chapter four, verse 19, where a lot of people use it as a confession and should My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But read the theme of that and where it was in what it was inspired from, it was about sowing. He was writing a letter to partners, yes. people who supported his ministry financially. Yes. Yes. Amen. It's a partner letter. Yes. Amen. And he said, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. That was inspired by the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit inspired him to write it to sowers. Yes. Yes. Look at your neighbor's that is really good preaching. Amen. So there's no such thing as a harvest without sowing seed. Well, Brother Copeland said, by the Spirit of God, it's the year of harvest. Yes, it is. But the Bible also says you must mix faith with the word preached so that it will profit you. And you can't mix faith with that if you're not a sower. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Galatians chapter 6. Go there with me. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all things. Another word for communicate is to support, to partner with, to give. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Doing good here is a reference to being a blessing. Being a blessing. Amen. Did you notice that we're to look for or to be sensitive to opportunities to sow into others? As we therefore have opportunity. Amen. Opportunity. In fact, if you're really looking and sensitive to it, opportunities will come your way every day. Amen. An opportunity to sow into someone else's life. And notice it doesn't exclude non-believers unto all men. I've sown into non-believers. But it says especially into those who are the household of faith. Amen. So, and it doesn't always have to be money. A deed, an act, a kind word, an encouraging Smile. That's a seed. Just, just walking up to somebody and say, I'm standing with you, my friend. I'm standing with you. Don't give up. That's a seed. I just sowed a seed. Now, if I'm capable and I know he's believing for finances, then I'll not only give him an encouraging word, but I'd like to sow some seed into that, uh, that financial need. And, and there you go. So I just, I just sowed a seed. By the word of encouragement, I sowed a financial seed. You can keep it. <laughs> Somebody said, I want to play. Well, <laughs> I'm just looking for opportunities. Now, I did not say, when you know someone's looking for an opportunity, corner them. <laughs> Like I was, I was preaching ORU one time and, uh, uh I had ministered, uh, concerning the laws of prosperity. And after the service, I was standing in the hotel right across from the campus and I went to my hotel and I was going to fly out the next morning, three o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call. Is this Jerry Savelle? Yes. Uh, God told me you were going to pay the mortgage off on my house. And I'm down in the lobby waiting for you to come down. <laughs> I thought, well, that's news to me. He didn't say anything to me about it. I said, if he if he had said something to me about it, I would have already done it because I learned a long time ago, quick to obey. Yes. Amen. I said, but, uh, ma'am, he didn't say anything to me about that. Well, are you listening? I said, well, not really. I was asleep until you woke me up. <laughs> no. I said, ma'am, I do have a word from, from the Lord for you, though. Go home. Come on, Go home. That's Amen. Amen. That's, right. Amen. And that's not the word she wanted to hear. <laughs> but you can't, you can't force people, con people into meeting your need, sowing your way. Yeah. That, that's not faith at all. That's right. Amen. So notice here, we are to look for opportunities, be sensitive to opportunities to sow into all men, but especially, look at your neighbor and say, especially, especially. into the household of faith. Yes. Fellow believers, hallelujah. Amen. The Amplified Bible says, be mindful to be a blessing. Be mindful to be a blessing. One of the first books Carolyn wrote years ago was born to be a blessing. Be mindful to be a blessing. When you get up every morning, you say, Lord, I want to be a blessing to somebody. Lead me, guide me. Amen. Direct my steps today. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Amen. And there will come an opportunity. Amen. I've had it happen to me so many different ways, so many different times, just just in a grocery store, you know, and and waiting to pay for what I got. And somebody uh, up in the front of the line was was counting out pennies, hoping they had enough. And I just was standing there. I wasn't trying to butt in or be nosy or anything. I, I just noticed that they were telling the, cashier, uh, put this back and put that back. I don't have enough. I said, no, uh, go ahead and keep it. Let me buy it for you. Well, you don't even know me. I said, "But well, that makes it even better. <laughs> You're in the Bible. You're one of the all men I'm supposed to bless. Amen. That's fun. I said, that's fun. Amen. Carolyn does it all the time. Amen. Now we don't have a sign around our neck saying we're blessed. Anybody need anything? No, we listen to the Spirit of God and follow His direction. Can you say amen? Amen. Amplified once again, be mindful to be a blessing. The message translation says, every time you get a chance, every time you get a chance, bless somebody, be a blessing. Now, most Christians don't think like that. Most Christians think of them being the recipient. Amen. I preached a message years ago about uh, the man with the pitcher in his hand. Where Jesus told the disciples, go into Jerusalem and look for a man with a water pitcher in his hand. And when you find that man, he will take you to a room where we can share the Passover. And I said in that message was that most people are not looking for the man with a picture in his hand. I'm sorry. They're not looking. They're, they want to be the man with the picture in his hand. I'm still missing it up. They're looking for the man with the picture in his hand, but they don't want to be the man with the picture in his hand. That's what I'm trying to say. It's been a long time since I preached that. Come okay. on. Now, Notice the man with the picture in his hand. And if you read the story, they found that man, just like Jesus said. There was a divine connection. And did you notice the man with the picture in his hand was now meeting not only a need of the disciples, but a need of Jesus. Wow. Don't you want to be the man that Jesus needs To fulfill a need in his life and ministry, praise God. It's just like he also said one time, uh, you go to a place where two ways meet, an intersection, and you'll find there a coat, a young coat tied. Loose the coat and bring him to me. He was about to make his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Loose the coat and bring him to me. And if anyone asks you, while you are loosing the coat, tell them, the master hath need of him. Yes. Come on. So they went to that intersection. Sure enough, there was a young coat there and they loosed the coat. Someone asked, probably the owner, why are you loosing the coat? The master hath need of him. And he released the coat to go to Jesus. And that's the coat or the donkey that Jesus rode into Jerusalem, where they're putting the fig leaves and palm leaves and so forth and so forth. And, and bringing men to Jerusalem. Come on. Now how would you have liked to have been the man who owned the coat? <laughs> yeah. That you just became an instrument to meet a need in Jesus' life. Yes. Amen. Amen. I heard somebody say one time, wouldn't it have been a great mistake when all those people are shouting hallelujah and waving the leaves and, and you know the, for the coat to think, wow, I didn't expect this. <laughs> It wasn't for the coat. It was for Jesus. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So notice here it says, look for opportunities to be a blessing. Now, these are the kind of people that experience abundant harvest. Abundant harvest. People that live to give. Born to be a blessing. Every chance. Every time you have a chance. So once again, most Christians don't think like that. They don't live like that. But those who do have discovered you can never outgive God. Amen. The more they sow, the more he blesses them financially. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Go there with me real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to connect these two prophetic words very shortly. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And you know, verses six and seven, if not read them, but verse eight says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Now that's his promise to sowers. That's his promise to sowers. Well, I'm a Christian. No, we're not talking about, are you a Christian? We're talking about, are you a Christian sower? Are you a sowing Christian? Yeah. Now, the Amplified Bible says it this way. And God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating, will also multiply your resources for sowing. I love that. That's, that's the prayer I pray all the time. Lord, continue to increase my resources for sowing. Because yes. yes. I'm always looking for opportunities. Amen. I'm always endeavoring to be sensitive to opportunities. In fact, before coming into the, this year, I'd already made commitments to several people and ministries and so forth that the first quarter this year, I'm sending your ministry or you or whatever, X amount of dollars to help you fulfill your vision. Now, it, it's, I won't tell you the amount, but it, um, it amounts to a lot. And in order for me to do it, and God's never let me down, he will have to increase my resources for sowing. See, I don't think in terms of 10%. I said, I don't think in terms of 10% in my sowing. That's minimum. Amen. I, I, I wonder, what would God do for somebody... Who brought it up to twenty percent, or even forty percent, or even sixty percent? What would God do? Inquiring minds want to know. Amen. So I'm I'm, I'm thinking of sowing all the time, and I'm also praying all the time. God. Increase my resources for sowing. Because the more seed I have, the more I can sow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout. So notice once again that God provides to the sower seed for sowing. So I've I've said this for many years now. I still say it to this day. I will never be without seed because I am a sower. I will never be without seed because I am a sower. Yeah. Amen. Now, I don't always have at the moment everything I need, but I'm never without the seed that will produce it. Yes. Yes. Amen. Should have wrote that down. Yeah. I may not have everything I need at this very moment, but I'm never without the seed that will produce it. Amen. 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 i also like to say that because of this spiritual law, I'm in total control of my financial destiny. Amen. 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 And you are as well. Because of the law of seed time and harvest and the principles that go along with it from Galatians, from 2 Corinthians, then we are in control, total control of our financial destiny. Faithful, Consistent, diligent sowers always experience abundant harvest. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 1 from the message translation says this. Be generous. Look at your neighbor and say, be generous. Be generous. Invest in acts of charity, because charity yields high returns. Hallelujah. That's better than E.F. Hutton. That's better than Wall Street. Be generous. Invest in acts of charity. Charity yields high returns. Another word that could be used here for charity is the word liberality. liberality. And a synonym for liberality is generosity. And Proverbs eleven twenty five from the message translation says, The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. The Amplified says, they'll increase more and more. The liberal person shall be enriched. And the word enriched means richer and wealthier. So the person that exercises or demonstrates charity, liberality, a blessing, then they just keep increasing more and more. If you saw the way Carol and I lived in 1969 even 1970 71 when we first came here and there's no comparison in our lifestyle today than our lifestyle back then amen and and we've done it with bible principles i've i've been asked many times what's the greatest spiritual law you've ever learned without hesitation i can say the law of seed time and harvest. Yes. Yeah. Amen. I gave my way out of debt. Yeah. I gave my way out of lack. Come yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Come on, somebody shout with me. Praise God. Yeah. Glory to God. And, and and you have to understand, when we first began to learn this, our seed was small. Yeah. You got to start where you are. Yeah. 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 Amen. I couldn't give $100,000. So I started with a nickel. <laughs> I started with a dollar. Yes. Yeah. Like Charles Caps used to say, if you're down to your last $1 bill, do not spend it. Don't eat your seed. Yeah. Amen. Right. Sow it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're down to your last dollar, sow it. Yeah. Don't eat your seed. Right. This really is good preaching. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, yeah. scripturally, how to position yourself for abundant harvest. Amen. There's just no denying abundant harvest belongs to generous, liberal sowers. That's God's Word. And He's not a man that He should lie. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 from the message translation says, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. So notice who caused this stingy crop? The stingy person. But on the other hand, it says a lavish planter gets a lavish crop. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm determined to be a lavish giver. Now you got to start somewhere and quit using this excuse that I have heard at least 9,000 times in the last 50 years. Well, when my ship comes in. Come most people that say that have never sent a ship out. <laughs> <laughs> don't wait. The, 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 the book of uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, they say, don't, don't wait for perfect conditions. That's right. That's I discovered a long time ago, most of my greatest harvest came when the conditions were not perfect for sowing. Amen. That's a vital key that that most of your greatest harvest, your greatest returns comes when you're obedient to sow when the conditions are not favorable. That's right. Amen. We, we were in um, Charlotte, North Carolina in 1981. And at that time, my ministry was experiencing a, a financial famine. And the Lord visited me and, and gave me the keys to overcoming financial famine. And I've written it in books. i preached all over the world. I preached it that night in, in that convention, uh, Believers' Convention. And uh, I had, at that time, 10 departments of my ministry, missions, television, uh, school, Bible school, different things, 10 basic uh, di- uh, divisions in the ministry. And the Lord told me, he said, I want you to take over to that meeting tonight and I want you to hand it to Kenneth Copeland and tell him this is coming out of every division of your ministry. And he told me to write a thousand dollars from each division. Now, in some cases, that was the last thousand dollars I had in that account. He said, so a thousand out of your aviation department. Sow a thousand out of your television department. Sow a thousand out of your missions department. Sow a thousand. And, I, and I, in many cases, that was the last thousand I had. In fact, I noticed that God didn't even ask me when he told me to do this. Uh, how much do you have? <laughs> Don't you think he knew that was the last thousand I had? Like he, like he told Jesse one time when he first met, uh, went to a Kenneth Hagin meeting. And Brother Hagin was receiving an offering for Rama. And he said, uh, uh, the Lord told him, he said, Jesse, so $10,000. And Jesse spoke up and said, Lord, that's all I've got. He said, that's all I asked for. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. And so I took over there a check out of every division, out of every department, $1,000, $1,000. 10 $1,000 checks. And then he also said, and take a thousand out of your personal account because Carol and I were building in the building the home that we live in today. And I took a thousand dollars out of our personal account, and so I told Brother Copeland what I was doing, and I handed him the checks. And in most cases, they were not favorable conditions. I needed that thousand dollars out of every one of those. You ever you ever tried to reason with the Lord? you ever tried to use scripture on him <laughs> come and let us reason together Lord this is not reasonable now it's not the way we do things down here you know <laughs> no he's got a one track mind and, and so in the natural it was not favorable conditions but I did it and the Lord told me And I will bless you with the blessing of Isaac. He sowed in famine and reaped a hundredfold in the same year. Now this was October, 1981. If God's going to do this in the same year, he only got three months to do it. (laughs) You ever held up the calendar to God? Uh, Only two weeks left, God, you know. No, I mean, by the time I went to another meeting with Brother Hagen the following week, and Brother Hagen wasn't in that meeting in Charlotte. He didn't know anything about this. And I'm in a, brother, in a meeting with Brother Hagen in Tulsa. And right in the middle of his sermon, he just stood up and said, I mean, he just stopped and said, Brother Jerry, stand up. I stood up, he said, come up here. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm instructed the Lord to do something. And he said, I'm sowing my airplane into your ministry. Now, that airplane at that time, it was a Cessna 421. At that time, it was worth about a quarter of a million dollars. So I sold a thousand out of my aviation department. And within a week, I got an airplane as a harvest that was valued at a quarter of a million. The next night in that same meeting, some people from Canada came up to me and Carolyn said, Uh, The Lord told us to sow $100,000 into your television ministry. Hallelujah. Before the end of the year, my harvest on every seed I sowed in October 1981 in Charlotte, North Carolina, had produced 100 times what I sowed. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, that'll mark you. (laughs) amen that'll mark you for the rest of your life amen I, I remember uh, well let me read this for you to you first you might be thinking well what how does this all relate to marvels wonders and extraordinary manifestation let me read to you verse 8 from second Corinthians where we just read about the stingy crop and the lavish crop Verse 8 from the message translation says this, God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways. That's for 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, King James, we read it earlier, but the message translation says, God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways. That comes under the category of marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestation. The word astonishing means so surprisingly impressive as to stun or to overwhelm. And the Bible says God is capable. Why? Because he's the God of wonders. God can pour out the blessings on your life in astonishing ways. Amen. Uh, there, was, there was a time when I was, uh, I was preaching again in, in Tulsa at ORU. Uh, But it wasn't an Oral Roberts meeting. It was uh, a Victory Christian Center meeting, Pastor Billy Joe. And uh, I'm preaching there. And right after the service, a man came up to me and he said, Brother Jerry, I know you, you, you have been a classic car enthusiast. used to restore them and so forth. And I know you still enjoy classic cars. He said, I have a 1957 Thunderbird that I need to sell. He said, I really need to sell it. He said, I know I could get more for it if I just had time, but I don't have time. And he said, uh, if you could help me out, I need a, I need a $5,000 miracle. And he said, I know that car is worth a lot more than 5000 but for you, if you could give me $5,000 for that car, it would help me greatly. I said, well, yes, sir, I, I can do that. So I gave him $5,000 for a 57 T-Bird. Now, it wasn't, you know, a numbers match car. It wasn't, you know, high in value car. It was worth a lot more than $5,000. But I, I went up there and got it and brought it back. And uh, the work that it needed to, to increase the value, I could do myself. So I, did, I just invested about another $2,500 in it. And did the work myself. Now I had helped. Before I went up to that meeting. I had helped somebody else. Buy a car. They needed a car. And I helped them get a car. I didn't pay the full amount that they needed. But I was able to pay. The balance of what they needed. To get a car. And I sold that into them. Now I'm up here in Tulsa. And this guy wants to. Wants me to help him financially and he says and I'll I'll give you this T bird if you can help me with five thousand dollars. So I did. I put another twenty five hundred dollars in it and then when I took it to a man who was interested in it, my profit was twenty five thousand dollars. Amen. That is God blessing a sower in astonishing ways. See, don't always think your harvest is going to come just out of the sky. It may come by you putting your hands to something. That's right. Amen. Amen. Preach it. Okay, I got three amens. And preach it over here. Let's try over here, huh? Your harvest may come in the way of God arranging for you to be able to do something that you have expertise in, but it wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been because you sowed. Amen. 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 God knew I had expertise in that. It was something I could do. And, it, and the profit on it was $25,000. And I turned around and sent that man another 5000 Hallelujah. And I won't even tell you what that produced. Hallelujah. But it produced another harvest. Amen. See, don't, don't look for harvest. Oh, God. Rain thousand dollar bills out of heaven. Well, I used to say that couldn't happen, but I was wrong. Because I was preaching in Chicago in 1979 in a storm, a blizzard. In fact, it shut us down. We couldn't get out of there for another three days. And I'm preaching one night in a church in a blizzard, snow everywhere. And the pastor received an offering for me at the end of the service. And he, the ushers brought it to him in a bucket. Hadn't been counted yet or anything. It's just in a bucket. We walked out the back door of the church to get in his car. Pastor had the bucket in his hand and the wind caught it and threw it up in the air And money went all over the neighborhood. Now, I know people, we didn't even bother going and trying to find it. It blew it all over the neighborhood. And I know people got up the next morning saying, there's money in our front yard. There's money in the shrubs. God does rain money out of heaven. But that's not likely how he's going to do it for you. And the reason I know why is because we very seldom get storms and blizzards up here (laughs) or down here. (laughs) So I'm not saying God couldn't do it, but it's not likely. Amen. But God can cause a harvest to come to you in astonishing ways. So my point is, don't limit him. Don't limit Him. Don't limit God to how he's done it before. God's the God of new things. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So astonishing means surprising and impressive as to stun or to overwhelm. A great example of that is the story of Isaac sowing in famine. Genesis chapter 26. The Amplified Bible says the Lord favored him with blessings. And notice he's sowing in unfavorable conditions there's a famine there's there's no ability to water his seed and yet god said don't go to egypt you go to the land that i'll tell you of sojourn there and and i will bless you empower you to prosper and Isaac sowed in that land the bible says and the lord favored him with blessings he became great And gained more and more until he became very wealthy and distinguished. The message translation says, he took in a huge harvest. The man got richer and richer by the day until he was very wealthy. Amen. It was a marvel. It was a wonder. It was an extraordinary manifestation of the greatness of his God. Can you say amen? Amen. The message translation, once again, said he took in a huge harvest and he got richer and richer by the day until he was very wealthy. And then listen to this, verse 14, and the Philistines envied him. They were surprised at the sight of his harvest. They were overwhelmed with how God had blessed him. It was a marvel. It was a wonder. It was an extraordinary manifestation of the greatness of God. Amen. Amen. What about the the story? Well, before I I go to that story, uh, let me just, no, that's enough. (laughs) What about the story of Peter's miracle catch shortly after he'd met Jesus? It's found in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. They had never had a day in the fishing business like they had that day. They caught so many fish that their nets began to break. And their boats begin to sink. All because Peter sowed a seed. Yes. That's right. Well, Brother Jerry, I've read that story. I don't see Peter sowing a seed. He loaned Jesus his boat. That's right. Amen. That was a seed. If you study it closely, there is a seed associated to every miracle in the Bible. I don't have time to go through every miracle in the Bible, but I've studied it. There's a seed. Somehow there is a seed associated with every miracle breakthrough in the Bible. And Peter's seed was he sowed the use of his boat. Yes, sir. Yeah. Jesus was preaching. The people kept pushing him closer and closer uh, to the shore. And he saw the fishermen, Peter, James, and John, and Mr. Zebedee. And, and they were washing their nets. They'd been fishing and had taken nothing, the Bible says. That's a bad day taken nothing. And Peter's got to go home to his wife. And you know, she's going, how'd you do today, sweetheart? Well, we didn't take anything. Well, mama told me not to marry you. (laughs) He's not looking forward to going home. And so they're on their way to wash their nets. Most of them were already ashore washing their nets, but he noticed Peter was still in the boat. And he said to Simon, Let me borrow your boat. I'm paraphrasing. Let me borrow your boat so I can finish my sermon. And Jesus stood in the boat and preached to the people. And then he turned to Peter and said, now launch out into the deep and let down your net. Come on. Now here's a key Amen. point. God, God woke me up from a nap to tell me this yesterday. <laughs> Jesus just gave him the key to a miracle breakthrough, marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations, and also an abundant harvest. He said, launch out into the deep and let down your net. In other words, Jesus, listen to this, Gave Peter some unsolicited fishing advice. Peter didn't ask Jesus, why didn't I catch any fish? I'm a fisherman. It's what I do. He didn't ask, he didn't ask for any advice. In fact, if Jesus hadn't asked him to let him use his boat, he'd have gone on to shore and gone on home and missed out on this great breakthrough. But Jesus said to him, now launch out into your deep and let down your nets for a catch. It was unsolicited, but it turned out to be a rhema from God. A a specific word pertaining to his situation. And Jesus was expecting, if Peter obeyed, that it would be the harvest from his seed of loaning his boat. Amen. And you remember what Peter said, Master, we, we've we've been fishing all night. We haven't taken anything. Nevertheless, at thy word. Nevertheless, at thy word. If I say, nevertheless. nevertheless, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And as he did that, the Bible says, he caught so many fish that his net began to break. His boat began to sink. He beckoned his partners to come and join him. They came out and they too experienced the same thing. Nets began to break and boat began to sink. They had the finest day in the fishing business in the history of their business. The Bible says they caught a multitude of fish, and listen to what it says in verse nine. Peter was astonished at all that were with and all that were with him at the haul of fishes which they had taken. The Message translation says they were overwhelmed. The Amplified says they were gripped with bewildering amazement. In other words. Because they sowed a seed. They reaped an abundant harvest through marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations. Hallelujah. Amen. They were amazed, they were overwhelmed, they were surprised. Peter's miraculous catch exceeded his expectations. It was a striking manifestation of the awesome ability of God to do what men say can't be done. Why? Because he's the God of wonders. Now, here's the key point to experiencing this. Once again, Jesus offered Peter unsolicited fishing advice. When you sow a seed, listen to God. He knows more about insurance than you do. <laughs> he knows about more about sales than you do. He knows more about automobiles than you do. I don't care what you do, what your expertise is. Jesus knows more about it. Yes. And when you sow a seed, he will begin to give you A rhema that will produce marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations. But you have to be listening. See, a lot of times when people sow seed, the only thing they hear is, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. No, you need to hang around Jesus and wait for the rhema. Wait for that specific word that will position you for marvels, wonders and extraordinary manifestations one day I came in from meetings and and uh, the next day I was at the office and I had to walk over to the uh, 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 accounting department and the lady that worked for us at that time in the accounting department she was coming out of her office coming down the hallway and she said oh brother Jerry you're just who I was looking for I was headed over to the executive building and she said, I just wanted to uh, show you today, we received a hundred thousand dollar gift in the mail. And I said, well, who's it from? She told me and she had the check. She said, I just wanted you to see it before I made the deposit. And so I laid my hands on it, prayed this for this person, one of our partners, prayed for them. And then when I got through praying, I said, now you know what to do. She said, yes, sir, I'll do it. Well, she knows to take 10% of it and put it in the tithe account because We're a tithing ministry. We're a tithing church. We take take it out of our income and and put it in a tithe account so we can bless others and bless other ministries and projects and and, and various things. I said, so you know what to do? She said, yes, sir. I'll put $10,000 of it in the tithe account. I was walking out of the building when I put my hand on the door handle to walk out to the outside to go to my building. I heard the Lord say, how would you like some extraordinary results? I said, you know, I would. He said, then sell the whole hundred thousand. So I went right back in and Carol had not even got to her office yet. I said, Carol, hold on. I said, don't put 10,000 in the tithe account, put the whole hundred thousand in the tithe account. Now we needed that hundred thousand. There was there was a dozen things we could have used that hundred thousand for, but I'm I'm looking for the extraordinary. Amen. Amen. I'm looking for marvels and wonders and extraordinary manifestations. I said, "So the, put the whole hundred thousand dollars in the uh, tithe account, and I'll go pray and ask the Lord what He wants me to do with it, and I'll call you in a little while." Thank you, Father. Well, he shortly after I got back to my office, and he said, told me where to sow it. I called her and I said write the check and and get that in the mail right away. So I did. She did. And uh, so I'm just you know going carrying on with other things I had to do. Before the month was up, we received three additional $100,000 offerings. Now, that had never happened in the history of our ministry, not in the in the same Within two or three weeks. Now we'd received $100,000 gifts before. But we had never at that time received. That made it four. Because it was. We we received the first one that we sold. And then God produced three more. $100,000 checks. Amen. In the same month. Glory. Now I'm not saying. That's going to happen to you. But I am saying. If you hear that rhema. It will position you for a supernatural breakthrough. It'll position you for marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations. Can you say amen? Amen. That's what Peter did. He sowed an unreasonable seed. The man's tired. He's been fishing all night. He wants to go home. And yet, he was willing to sow an unreasonable seed. Nevertheless, at thy word. Another translation says, if you say so, I'll do it. Another translation says, on the grounds of your word, I'll do it. And he did. And Peter received a boat sinking, net breaking. In fact, several net breaking, boat sinking loads of fish. I did a little studying on this. And I remember that he had said he caught a multitude of fish. I said, Lord, how many? That's the way I, I study the word, I won't know everything. <laughs> how many? He said, Well, how many is a multitude in other places where I use the word multitude or where it's used? I said, Well, in one place you fed a multitude of people with fishes and loaves, and it turns out it was 5,000 men. He said, multitudes are measured in thousands. He said, so if he called a multitude of fish, then you'd think in terms of at least 5,000. 5,000 fish. I'd call that abundant harvest. And it all happened as a result of Peter hearing a rhema from God and being obedient to it. And he got an abundant harvest, and God did it through marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations. Can you say amen? Amen. So in closing, I would say that Peter's seed of loaning his boat produced an unusually abundant harvest. You can find this same principle with Isaac sowing in famine, with the widow woman sowing in Elijah's day, when she only had a little, but he said, make me a cake first. She sowed that cake, and it produced... Unlimited, Abundant harvest. Amen. So in every situation, none of the conditions were favorable, but they heard a rhema from God after they sowed their seed. Amen. Wait for that rhema. Keep sowing your seed. Don't ever stop sowing seed. But after you sow the seed, listen for the rhema. Because what Jesus will tell you to do is going to position you for marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations. If you believe it, give the Lord your best shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet. I know I've kept you a little later today, maybe seven minutes, eight minutes. But it was worth it, wasn't it? Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 I want you to get your tithes and your offerings ready, if you will, please. Get your tithes and offerings ready. Well, you just preached that so we give better. Well, if that's what you think, hold on to your seed. Just keep it. And we'll wait for your testimony of abundant harvest. I don't teach these principles so I can get you to give. I teach these principles because it's God's word. And if you act on it, then it's going to produce for you just like it would for anybody else. Can you say amen? amen? Now, last Sunday I was at Eagle Mountain Church and I preached a message about How important it is once you sow a seed to water it. Because without watering that seed, it can't germinate. Agriculturists call it if a seed doesn't get watered, it becomes a dormant seed. Even though it's in the ground, it won't sprout, it won't grow, it won't produce. And the, the, the watering of our seed is us speaking the word of God over it. I don't have time to teach on all the principles where I showed that last week. But if you're interested, you can get the message from Eagle Mountain. But I believe you put a list up here of some scripture that I gave them that I use for watering my seed. And I want you to say them with me. So... Let's put those on the screen. Dr. Saville, actually, we put everything in like a confession. Yeah. And right now, right now we're creating the thing that you gave us that has all the scriptures that they'll actually be able to take home. But we, uh, okay, we so them you them don't them have them. all of I yeah. said then. Yeah, we just have we. It's everything there except for the scriptures, but we'll okay. give them all the scriptures. But okay. Well, in days ahead, <laughs> they'll put the scriptures with the confession yeah. Yeah. that I make because it's important to know what the scripture says. You have it in your heart, not just what Brother Jerry said. Do this. No, have it in your heart. Now, this is the confession I want you to make over this over this seed. Thank you, sir. Hold your seed up. We're we're watering. Yes. Amen. Every time you speak the word, you're watering a seed. Rick, come hold this for me. Hold that. Now, if I had the scriptures up here, I'd say the scripture first, and then I'd read you the confession. So we just have the confession. So say this with me: I sow my seeds in faith. I'll say it first, and you say it after me. I sow my seeds in faith. I sow my seeds in faith, knowing that the law of seed time and harvest. Knowing that. Is working on my behalf. Is working on my behalf. Now I got that from Genesis 8.22. So I just watered a seed. Yes. Amen. I have sown my financial seeds. I have sown my financial seeds. And I'm expecting them to produce. And I'm expecting them to produce after their kind. After their kind in the form of financial harvest. In the form of financial harvest. That's in Genesis chapter 1. Every seed produces after its own kind. I just watered a seed. Come on. I'm expecting every seed that I have sown, sown to grow, up to, grow up, to up, to spring up, and to produce an abundant harvest. And to produce an abundant harvest. That's Galatians chapter 6. I'm pouring more on up. you. <laughs> because, I because I have been obedient to God, and have sown my seeds. And sown my seeds. I, fully I fully expect. My days to be filled with prosperity. And my years with pleasures. That's in the book of Job. Woo. Woo. Because God has seen my sowing. His, His mind is on me continually. I'm expecting more and more. I'm expecting more, financial, and more. Blessings. financial blessings. And more and more. And more and financial increase financial that's in the book of Psalms of I'm expecting good measure I'm expecting good pressed measure. down, Press down. Shaken, together, shaken together and running over harvest, harvest. from every seed I've sown, from every yes. seed I've sown. that's Luke six yes. I'm entitled to I'm entitled and to. I'm, expecting I'm expecting a bountiful, harvest, a bountiful harvest, because harvest because I am a bountiful sower 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm expecting to have all sufficiency, more than enough, and be abounding in financial blessings so that I'm able to sow into every good work that the Holy Spirit impresses me to be a blessing to. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 9 as well. Since I do believe in the Lord, my God, my God. And, I is, and I believe what his prophet has spoken regarding 2019, 2019 being my year for abundant harvest that I'm expecting harvest. this each and every day and I'm this throughout this year God. to come to pass in my, life, in my life in Jesus name, in Jesus name so, so be it so amen. amen and amen hallelujah We just watered our seed. Hallelujah. We just watered our seed. Agriculturists tell us that seed that is planted must be watered frequently. If not, it becomes a dormant seed. And they tell us, usually, you need to water a seed at least, minimum, once a day. So every day. Now see, this is where a lot of people in the body of Christ are missing it. If you do it right now because I ask you to do it and then you never think about it again three weeks down the road you say, oh, I haven't been watering my seed. Whose fault is it your seed is not germinating? I could have been a lawyer. I'll rest my case. Come on, let's give the Lord a good shout of praise. Go ahead and receive it. Praise God.